The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. G'day, 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 guys. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Summer Helene. I want to give a quick shout out to Scott Haskin for that beautiful music. If you guys want some epic music of your own, go to scotthaskin.com. And of course, I'd love to welcome on Paul Michael Bolin, who you'll like better than you like me. And we have had some interesting stuff on Twitter. I don't think our Trump ban is going very well as far as social media goes. What do you think? No, no, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with talking about him. I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if I am. I'm really frustrated, and mm, I'm eating. I'm sorry. I've got to tell you guys, I haven't eaten all day. I have the flu, so I'm coughing up like massive green loogies. So now I'm trying to eat some soup. Um, I just thought everyone should, you know, share in my disgust. Mm-hmm. What I what I found horrific was uh, the way that Tiffany Trump was treated at Fashion Week. Oh yeah. And also, I uh, my hats off to Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that Goldberg, on the view she, yesterday. She's, she's, she's like she's gonna staunch. she's gonna be her. Uh, she's gonna attend these events with her for the rest for the for the rest of Fashion Week, I believe. Yeah, it's it's really I think it's really really interesting. Whoopi Goldberg is staunchly against Trump. Staunch. I mean, she's like not even a Democrat, mm-hmm. but like a hardcore liberal Democrat. And I right. love that she stepped up and said, "Don't pick on this kid." Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing to boycott Ivanka's line because you want to make that that statement. Yeah, and Tiffany's just not kid. a kid. You know, well, she hardly knows a dad anyway. Mm, well, do we? I don't, I don't know if Trump really knows himself. Yeah, that's that's what I'm starting to get with this. He spent the entire talk with um, Netanyahu from mm. Israel, talking about how he won the election by landslide and how he had the largest attendance of any inauguration in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, did, I'm sorry, uh, Barack Obama did because it broke race lines. Everyone was excited right. then. Whether right. you liked his policies or not, the idea that we had a black president, that's why. He had the, he, and he had the highest Nielsen ratings. It was the most viewed on the internet and television media. Why didn't he just go with that? Of course fewer people showed up. You know, fewer people freaking voted in general. I don't, I don't get it. But he's he's sticking to that, and then he's talking about voter fraud, like hardcore voter fraud. Mm-hmm. He's still talking about voter fraud. Like, okay, Hillary won by three million in the popular vote. Who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. Right. The electoral mm-hmm. college is what matters. Yeah, Hillary just really, really won California. 
and that's fine. But the reality mm-hmm. is, is lying about it doesn't change it. And I'm finding out from friends of mine that are White House correspondents that this is the first time that the White House has not been a source of information, meaning they go to the White House and they can't trust what's being told to them. And so it's kind of a new era and it's really scary for them because they're getting blatantly lied to. Where usually, you know, they're used to the double talk, they're used to the hiding, they're used to the we're not going to talk about this, Mm. but they're not used to like false facts going out in the media. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It's created a different climate in news media. I hope, I, I hope that sticks through for future administrations to come. You know, if we need to be calling them out on their, if they are lying to us, if they are uh, yeah, filling us with mistruths, we need to call them out. The problem is, even when you call him out, he says, no, I'm not. Someone told me that. I heard it somewhere. So it's, it's this bizarre... And I have to say, I have people like writing in on Twitter and all of this to Mount Hillary. Guys, Hillary's not in office. Thank if she God. won, we'd be sitting here bagging on her. Whoever wins is in the hot seat. The problem is this guy won and he's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, and he's still running. Now, apparently his office did file his uh, paperwork for him to run again in 2020. Don't bother, mate. Don't bother. But I guess. I guess. I'm loving John McCain right now. <laughs> loving John McCain. I wish he would have originally run with um, what's Lieberman. his face, like you, Lieberman, like he wanted to. Mm-hmm. So originally, before he took on Palin, um, the great Northern Dope, who, by the way, let me point out, has more political experience than Trump. That's the scary part. No, easily. Uh, it's really terrifying when you can say Sarah Palin is more qualified to be president. That's yeah. depressing to me. Yeah. Probably think I could say that about a lot of people. Yeah, but she's a hardcore alcoholic. That's not something people know. They go on with her about her gibberish. She's actually not an unintelligent woman. She's just a drunk. Uh, that makes a little more sense. <laughs> well, it's, it's really like it's a common secret. Like It's kind of like Bill Cosby and rape. Everyone knows. It's kind of like Donald Trump and rape. Everyone knows. There are certain secrets that are just really open secrets. Um, But I don't like people picking on his kids. I said the same thing during the Obama administration. Mm. Ivanka has gotten herself involved with his politics, so say whatever you want. But the little one, Barron, yeah, she's an adult. But the little one, Barron, leave him alone. Even Tiffany, I believe she's over the age of 18, so she can defend herself. She can, so, but Baron, uh, I, I don't like people going after the little one. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You can't, or even say, you know, even Sarah Palin's kids can't can't cap on them either. So no, you know. and and that's kind of where I am. Is I'm not liking the dirtiness that I'm starting to feel in politics. You know, back home we're, we're pretty straightforward people, but Australians are, are really simple people. And he got into a, a fight with the Australian Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to pick in a fight with the Australian Prime Minister? Especially Turnbull, the one we have him right now. He does not give a fuck. You can count the fucks he gives about basically anything. I've, I've been in a few fights with some Australians over the years. You guys are pretty much ready to go. Oh, yeah. Michael Turnbull's the exception. Malcolm, mm. Malcolm Turnbull's the exception. Fair enough. Hmm. 
if he'd gone after that twit Julia Gillard, she was our PM a few years back, mm-hmm. she was a fucking retard. <laughs> I love when people turn around to me. They're like, are you excited you have a woman in office? I'm like, one, that's not like new for us. Two, we have the world's stupidest woman in office. I would prefer Sarah Palin. Um, I really didn't like Julia Gillard. But I, it wouldn't have surprised me if she got into a fight with him. But Malcolm Turnbull gets on with everyone. Like, that's that's kind of what he's known for. And it's really disheartening to me when we have Canada saying, we'll take your refugees. Like, America shouldn't have refugees. And now we've got um, women seeking sanctuary in churches. There was a big deal. People have started going in for their immigration meetings because they have to meet with their immigration officers. Mm-hmm. And they're being arrested on the spot and deported when they go in to do the right thing. So people have started seeking sanctuary in uh, churches. It's really interesting. No, it makes sense. That's, yeah, I don't know. I think there definitely needs to be some reform, uh, but I, I think it just needs to be on a case-by-case basis. I, I agree there has to be some kind of reform. You can't have open borders. I mean, Europe did it and it worked out fine, but in general, there needs to be some regulation. I'm not disagreeing with that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we shouldn't go as far as calling all Mexicans rapists. He didn't do that. <laughs> Actually, I have an interview where he did. He, he, really? it was, it's the intimation. And it really comes down to, it's like when he said women should be punished for having abortions. There are certain things that... And that was in, that was in hyperbole, so... Yeah, it, it doesn't matter... I think this is exactly what makes him unqualified. You need to be a little bit of a statesman. If you look at America's greatest president, Abraham Lincoln, when he was 25 and he first went into Senate, he was an asshole. Mm-hmm. He wrote scathing letters. He nearly got into a duel with somebody, or he did, and then it got stopped. I mean, he was a dick. But then he grew up. And almost getting killed kind of makes you go, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop this shit. And he became an abolitionist because of Frederick Douglass. And because he himself used to be rented out to his neighbors by his father. Your experiences shape your life. Donald Trump's experience has been, I can get away with beating my wife. I can get away with ripping people off. And this is a direct answer to the fellow on Twitter that just said, what makes Donald Trump unqualified? <laughs> Let's go categorically. Mm. What has he ever done for another human being? I'm not saying politicians are good people, but usually when they start out, they're pretty decent. They're trying to do something for someone. Then they become poisoned, embittered assholes eventually. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah, yeah. No, that that pretty much is. Donald Trump was born a poisoned, embittered, entitled asshole. So that's the catch-up from the people on Twitter. And for those who are writing in that Whoopi Goldberg shouldn't sit with her, you guys are assholes. She has nothing to do with her dad's campaign. If you want to be mad at one of the daughters, be mad with Ivanka because she's taken over the first lady's duties. And I'm telling you, there is something creepy with that relationship. Well, that's just simply a best guess, correct? Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that is a best guess. The creepy okay. part is a best guess. But she has literally stepped in and taken over the first lady's role. So if you have a problem, pick a fight with that sister. Not the poor kid going to Fashion Week and not Little Baron. Come on now. Yeah. We have a write-in. Someone had asked, do I think Hillary would have been better? It doesn't matter if I think Hillary would have been better. She lost. Mm, I could say no. Okay. Well, Paul says no. 
Mm. I say we don't know because she's not in. But it comes down to this. It doesn't matter. Trump keeps harping on the election. The election yeah. is over. Now he won. Do something. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Won the race. Just like, ah. Yeah, I, I know he, I did vote for him, but I mean, my God, he's frustrating. He said he won by the largest margin in history. That was actually won by George H.W. Bush, the first George Bush. The George Bush Sr. Mm. had well over 420 electoral votes. Close second was Obama. The first time, not the second. But, I mean, he's, he's really putting his foot in it. He's yeah, trying and, to I believe it, and I believe the full quote it was the biggest electoral college win since Reagan, I think he said? Mm-hmm. In which case, yeah, every single one of them electorally beat him. Yep. And then on top of that, Reagan wasn't a huge margin. Reagan scraped in. I mean, he wasn't like a huge, he didn't win by a huge margin. But he, is, but he did well, which is how George H.W. Bush got in. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I, I was around when Reagan won. There was a shift. Complete shift. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was 10, but, you know, I was around. It's also the last time a Republican won California. Yeah, I still don't understand that. Well, <laughs> most Republican president or the president or the Republicans, you know, uh, so to speak, their hero, hero came from a state that you know won't. You know, I don't think anybody can ever going to win as a Republican in this state for for ages. I think if you put in Schwarzenegger, if he could run, he might. Um, that's the other thing. And this is just a shout out to Schwarzenegger. Thank you for handling the prayer breakfast incident so um, uh, articulately. You heard what happened at the prayer breakfast, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and the fact that you're, you're thanking Arnold Schwarzenegger for articulation, uh, I even find ironic on a certain level. I find it ironic because it's only comparative. He simply spoke better than Trump. That's sort of like saying you spoke better than George W. Uh, that yeah, doesn't yeah. make you a speaker. You are not a yeah. great orator in our time. Yes. He, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's got to get out of campaign mode. He's got to stop selling. He says uh, he won, all right? And I get so. why people are writing into us. Yes, he did start in Hollywood. But he's not our problem anymore. He is yours, America. He is all of our problems. Yep. He just um, went from being yeah. a Hollywood blight to being a blight on the country. Yeah, if you I don't like what he's it, doing, writing. I did find it funny that California, a lot of Californians are saying, we're going to secede and become our own country. And then, of course, the rain's hitting, the dams start to break. It's like, no, 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 please, we need help. You know, so. Makes a difference. But realistically, California's the only state that financially could do that. All right, uh, guys. Texas. No, but they still, they've got too much aid coming in. California has the strongest economy in the United States. Uh, and I mean Southern California. If we secede, we've got to get rid of Northern California because that's our money, pay, our money pit. <laughs> Just saying. All right, guys. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be back with Dr. Ross. We've answered as many of your Trump questions and talked about it as we can for the rest of the show. Just for the rest of the show. I'm not saying forever. We're going to take this in baby steps, people. Let's see if we can avoid Trump questions. Ask us stuff about entertainment. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Bolin. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll be right back.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Second Wind Success, hosted by Gene Garino, is all about helping boomers catch their second wind in business and life. Most of us achieve our greatest success after the age of 50. Life has a learning curve with a few stumbling blocks along the way. As long as you stay committed to your vision and adapt along the way, you'll find the success you're looking for. Tune in to Second Wind Success every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, sitting here looking fabulous because I had my hair done at Nuvia's in Palm Springs, California, by my favorite guy, Richie. And I am on with Paul Michael Bolin, who you all like better than you like me, and I think he's high, so at least we're getting some good conversation out of him. How are you doing, Paul? Oh, yeah, completely. Now, we are to the segment that everyone writes in about because Dr. Russ has become everyone's personal doctor. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to invite to the show Dr. Russ. Thank you, Summer. How are you doing? I'm well. Uh, we're waiting for this storm of the century to roll in. Uh, and uh, other than that, uh, well, I guess we need the rain. So uh, things are going well. Thank you. Well, I'm glad uh, things are going well. I, I was and- looking at uh, the uh, listeners' questions today, and uh, it seems that... Uh, People are thinking along the lines of, of uh, purposing their food um, as medicine. It's uh, interesting. I, I happen to think that uh, more to the point, people need to uh, eat a healthful diet and everything will come into place, uh, fall into place, uh, you know, including uh, heart disease and uh, weight and diabetes and all of those uh, consequences of a poor diet. 
so the way these questions came up is there was a post that somebody had responded to with one of your comments about um, getting healthier and feeling better. And they put up a quote from, I think it's Hippocrates, that said, let food be thy medicine and let medicine be thy food. Um, this is also an internet quote, so I may be butchering it completely. Um, and it may it may be like, you know, Marilyn Monroe says uh, Verizon's better than Sprint. So it could be one of those. But I do remember um, in history class talking about him. So that was posted up there. And then people responded to it with a bunch of these questions. So we had a bunch of questions about food being medicine because of this one post um, that one of our listeners put up. So I kind of followed that thread and found it really interesting. And they started yeah. asking if we could do it on the show. And I said, sure, why not? I, I yeah. have no idea. I will have to talk to an expert because you don't want my medical advice. It's going to involve whiskey. Um, <laughs> so the first question we had was from Jen in Austin, Texas. Jen G in Austin, Texas. Can food help you sleep better? Well, of course, everyone knows about Thanksgiving, uh, eating a, a good portion of tryptophan uh, in, in your turkey. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, tryptophan is high, highly concentrated in, uh, in turkey meat. Um, so uh, we all know how we feel after turkey, turkey dinner. So um, I, I think the key to that is the tryptophan. Uh, which is an amino acid, uh, is highly concentrated in, in turkey meat, but also uh, shrimp and lobster have, have high uh, concentrations of tryptophan. Uh, minerals uh, like magnesium that you'd find in nuts uh, tend to in, induce sleep. So um, that, that's another food group that can help. Um, so uh, that that's a short answer to to that question, um, and uh, I I think that uh, tryptophan would be would would be my recommendation to people. See, it was much better than mine. Mine would have been whiskey. Actually, my answer to all three of these questions was whiskey. And when people get through it, they'll understand why. And that is why we wait for Dr. Ross. The next question we had is, can food help with arthritis? Again, my answer would have been whiskey. That's from Kevin in Los Angeles, California. Well, alas, uh, there is no particular food uh, for arthritis. And uh, I don't say this lightly. This has been a you know, kind of a holy grail trying to figure it out. Uh, uh, you know, di- a dietary approach to arthritis. Uh, so there's no direct connection uh, between a particular food and feeling uh, better in your joints. Uh, there is some uh, research that seems to uh, point in the direction, and I I, uh, I say that because uh, this is still in the realm of research that. Uh, uh, if you eat a lot of uh, empty carbohydrates, starchy foods, uh, that can have a pro-inflammatory effect, and uh, that leads to what we call the metabolic syndrome, arthritis, plus heart disease, plus obesity, plus inflammation in the joints. So um, while I can't recommend a particular food for 
arthritis. I, I think people need to uh, avoid carbs, for one thing. And uh, also, watching your weight. Um, we know that if you load a truck down with heavy cargo, the tires wear out faster. And the same thing is true with your body. The weight-bearing joints, uh, once you get to a certain point, uh, the um, arthritis starts to accelerate. And interestingly, even the non-weight-bearing joints are affected in, in, in a similar way in, in obese individuals. So two things. First, avoid the starchy foods and, and then uh, keep an eye on your weight. So that's really good advice, and this is one of those cases where my whiskey answer would make things worse because it breaks down to sugar. So, again, a good example of what not to do. Um, and the third question is, what foods fight headache? And that's from Hannah in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, Memphis, Tennessee. I think this is our first ride-in from Memphis, at least to the show. Well, on Twitter, we have a lot. Th- that's uh, a rather difficult question as well. Um, there are foods uh, that have high vitamin, uh, vitamin B6 content, like mushrooms, asparagus, that uh, vitamin B6 is thought to uh, play a role in, in, uh, in headaches. And uh, so if you were to um, stock your diet up with mushrooms and, and asparagus, you might you might find a difference in you know the frequency or intensity of your headaches. There's also um, a magnesium, um, which is an important element in people's diets that you can find in spinach and uh, uh, Swiss chard and you know the green leafy vegetables. Uh, magnesium is uh, is is an important element. And then there's also uh, a lot of uh, talk and research and popularity of, uh, of uh, CoQ10. Uh, you can get that in uh, tuna, mackerel, eggs, broccoli, cauliflower. And it's supposed to be good for uh, stress-induced headaches. So uh, things that have vitamin B6, magnesium, CoQ10 um, are, are useful in fighting headaches. I have a face cream that has CoQ10 in it. Now, I'm not sure if I got ripped off or they did me a favor. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say, you you come on here a lot and you give people a lot of really, really good advice. But I keep encouraging people to buy your book. Um, It's it's not a hard read and it's a great way to journal and look at what you're eating and look at the effects on your body. It really, really is. You guys can find it at authorhouse.com. You can find it on Amazon and you can find it on Dr. Russ's website. Dr. Russ, can you give us your website again? Yes, Summer. It's kennethrussmd.com. So check out kennethrussmd.com and make sure you get a copy of this book. Now, I think we have one more book to give away this week. And whose who's question did you like better? Well, I think it comes up a lot about the uh, sleeping, and, and, and uh, so I like the first one. Okay, Jen G. in Austin, Texas, is going to be getting a copy of Dr. Russ's book, The Palm Springs Diet. Guys, I've got to encourage you, check out this book. It makes a huge difference. Um, And a lot of the problems you guys are seeing, um, except for the chick with the white discharge, seriously, go see a doctor, and I'm not asking that question on air. Um, 
food can help that. Um, I know we get a lot of write-ins for some oddball stuff, but the ones that we get the most of are questions like this. How does it help your body and what advice does Dr. Russ have for that? So I want to give you a thank you from the listeners, Dr. Russ. They absolutely love you and they write in a whole bunch asking questions. And yes, sometimes it's, you know, everything from acne to boils to weight loss. I mean, we get some weird ones, but we also get some good ones. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. Um, I enjoy being on your show and uh, pass on uh, what knowledge I have to the listeners. Um, it's, it's a gratifying experience. So I, I thank you very much, Summer. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Russ. And I'm going to say next week, guys, I'm going to take some more questions for Dr. Russ. But what I really want to focus on um, is I want everyone, this is your homework. I want you to go get a copy of the Palm Springs Diet, look through it, and ask him some questions about that. That's your homework, okay? And whoever does the best version of that can go with me to one of the Comic-Cons. Ah. So you know, and it's, I might pass on to your listeners that the Palm Springs Diet is, is um, my favorite kind of book. It's short. <laughs> it's, it's actually a very easy read, and it's very clear. <laughs> Um, and, and really the only thing that's going to take away from you is donuts, which, which is depressing for those of us in the film industry. But for everyone else, it's probably a good thing. Well, Don't as you I say th- in Weight Watchers about donuts, it's okay to have a donut if you run it under, uh, under the faucet for a minute. Oh. Oh. Oh, I, I think I think yeah, you scrape mine and Paul's heart. Run it under faucet for a minute. I'm trying to think of how much of the water I could wring out of that. I'm now trying to think of how to do this. Dr. Russ, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you, thank Summer. You, thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. I will, you too. I'm going to avoid this, part, this uh, rain in Palm Springs and try and figure out how to wring out a donut. I'm Summer Helene. We're on with Paul Michael Bolin, and I want to say thank you so much to Dr. Russ. When we come back, we are going to be on with the author of 121 First Dates, Miss Wendy Newman. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset? Your home. Is it from a reality show on cable TV? A comparison website? Or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for 
you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and I want to give a quick shout-out again to Scott Haskin for that beautiful music. And whoever does the best answers to Miss Wendy Newman's questions... Uh, is going to get two free ATV rides in Palm Springs, California at Off-Road Rentals. I'd love to welcome to the show my co-host, of course, Paul Michael Bolin, and the amazing author of 121 First Dates. I don't read books, guys. I picked this up, read one section. She told me to read, read the whole damn thing. Miss Wendy Newman. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Hi, Summer. Thanks for having me. I, I got to say, I love your book. You, t- you told me to go to one section. I read that section. It was fucking brilliant. <laughs> like it, was, it was just fucking brilliant. It was one of Pretty the Pretty good for a middle-aged I've- broad, right? <laughs> oh, it, was fanta- it was fantastic for anyone, but it was absolutely beautiful. I'm very – for those that uh, – for anyone, if you get a chance, it's 121 First Dates. Read it. It's a phenomenal book. That does involve pole dancing. Really did impress me. Very good. Well, pole dancing so- – Potential nakedness, it's all there. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely an R-rated book, I, I do have to say. But it is one of the uh, one of the better books I read, and actually I want to talk to you about optioning it into a script because I think that would make a phenomenal film. Thank you. Um, I, I do have to – how the hell – what made you decide to do this? I mean, 121 First Dates, I, I don't know if I've had that and I've dated everybody. Well, look, here's the thing. I never wanted to. This was not like a personal contest or something that I was just going to cook up on my own as a fun thing to do, because I don't know that I've ever met a woman who thinks dating is a whole lot of fun, especially when it comes to 20, 30, 40, 121. It's exhausting, right? So I didn't... I, I loved it. I love dating because, you know, they buy you dinner. That part was fun. But the uh, the idea, I wasn't looking for someone. So it was kind of an yeah. easy thing. Hence, I never got to 121. Yeah, exactly. See, there, there's the difference between you and I. I was in the search for someone that would be a great partner for me for a life. And I just wasn't going to stop. And I, God, I had no idea it was going to take me that long. I, I do have to say, spoiler alert, you found him. 
I did. He was Mr. 121. <laughs> I'd rather just tell you he was number 17, and I just kept going for fun, but no, he, he was the... It was 121. <laughs> oh. And in that summer, I had written the book, and I was getting it off to my publisher. I was shoving it off to Simon & Schuster, and I was going in for my last final, final edit before I turned it into the publishing house, and I hadn't met him yet. And we snuck in a very quick meet-and-greet date because I was leaving the country to go work on my book in a nice, quiet spot for 10 days. And I had no idea while I was on that trip that I'd met him. You'd met 121. Yeah. Yeah, the book was just going to be called 101 First Date, Survival Guide for a Single Girl, and there was no happy ending. It was just how to keep standing and being tenacious and doing it all again. <laughs> but it turned out that the publishers liked it better when it had a happy ending, yeah. Well, it, it is a phenomenal book. It's one of those books, if you read, uh, you know, he's just not that into you, don't watch the movie, it was crap. But if you if you read books like that and you're really into kind of how to date, I learned a lot from that book. I mean, I really, really did. And the big message and the real message is, well, one, if somebody is uh, young enough to come out of your uterus, don't date them. And two, um, you, you just kind of have to get back in the saddle, no matter how horribly these dates go. Do you mind if I bring up certain sections of the book? Oh, go right ahead. And I'm glad you brought up my, my own personal rule. <laughs> it's really one of the only dating rules I have. It's the uterus rule. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have the one that if you have to make certain noises to get certain parts mm-hmm. of your anatomy into other parts of another person's anatomy, it's probably not a good idea. Probably that's, not. That's probably a good one, too. Mm. Um, now, that, that, is, that is a good rule. Um, but, you know, 121 dates, you've got guys stripping naked. You've got, <laughs> I mean, you've got some weirdness going on. I do. I do. And I guess it, out of 121 dates, you'd have to have some weirdness. Not all of them are going to be good. Not all of them are going to be bad. Right. Um, what do you think was your personal worst date? Oh, it has to be a top a toss-up between the pole dancing one, and, who happened to be first date number 98. But the reason I wrote the book in the first place, I didn't even mean to write a book, but I kept having these dates, and then I did, in fact, have the worst date of my life up to that point. And this was in 2010, and it was just the absolute worst date I've ever had, and it happened to be first date number 54. Now, I didn't know that he was number 54, but my Google calendar did. And because I'm a neat Nick Virgo, I had all the dates coded in purple so I could go back and just count. Count right? them. Now, tell <laughs> so everyone what just, happened on this date. I wrote date. one blog post of my experience on this ridiculous date, and it caught on like wildfire. It was a hit. And it was a hit with my married friends, kept them married, and all the single women started buzzing around saying, wow, how did you deal with that, and what would you do different, and that was really graceful, and can you write the next one? So I started writing my dates after that, but in the book, I pulled 28 of my 121, the 28 interesting ones that you could learn lessons from, and that I learned lessons from, from either totally blowing it or from being magnificent, depending on the moment. Now, I have to ask, what, what made your bad date so bad? Can you tell us about it? <laughs> well, I think the bad dates were bad because I didn't say, I didn't catch it early enough, the badness, and say, oh, hey, so um, you, 
you lied about your age by about 30 years. You're much older. So <laughs> here's the thing. We're not going to have this date. We're just going to go have a Saturday night to ourselves. Have a good evening. That's what I should have done many times over with the really bad dates. But instinctually, it'd be really hard to do that. We don't want to be displeasing, even though he's a stranger. We, we don't want to act judgy. We don't want to make him feel bad. There's this innate need to not displease him. So it was always a, a victory of human spirit when I caught it in the moment and said, oh, hey, we're not going to do this. Have a good day. And Sorry to have a, wasted your time. That's a brilliant thing. Um, yeah. I, I liked the little little short guy that you went mm-hmm. on the date with. I like. I mean, you guys have to check out this book. It's it's got some amazing stuff. Um, with Wendy's permission, I, I'd I'd like to talk about a couple of excerpts I pulled from the book. Do you mind? Yeah, do it. So you have the guy that's stripped naked in the middle of a club hall. You were pole dancing because he said you were a prude, and then he started to masturbate. He did. <laughs> that made my accidental date with a white supremacist not look so bad. Let me point that out. I'm, oh I'm Jewish, God. but like well, I accidentally went out with a white supremacist. Safe, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great. So I felt less bad. I can say, looking at some of how horrible my dates were, looking at yours, like the fellow that uh, you went out to his his house and he was trying to impress you, the little short one, or the oh, ancient that. fellow. Um. Yeah. Really, I mean, they, they made me feel less terrible about some of the dates I've had, and I feel awful saying that. I know Paul's had some horrific dates himself. Right, yeah. but I can't comment on most of those due to court restrictions. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I was going to say, go ahead, Paul, start whipping out some stories. What you got? <laughs> but it, it makes people feel less terrible, realizing that yeah. you're not the only person in the world that's had this bad date. Or falling for a guy that's just not going to commit. Or wanting to get involved with somebody who is completely inappropriate for you. We all have those moments. (laughs) And it feels so isolating, I think, to be in that position. Um, My my assistant Alexis is a dominatrix. or She's she's into like S&M in her spare time. And she has to be the dominant partner. And you have no idea how many men she chases away. And then she chases them down like a hound dog, and eventually they either copy, you know, they they either they either go along with it or uh or, or we get sued or some shit like that. But she four feet away from you, shooting daggers at you again. Yeah, she's sitting. She's sitting right next to me, giving me evil there looks. <laughs> um, you know, but I think that really that's a great sorting mecha- mechanism. Being a dominatrix, <laughs> you're going to either sort them in, or you're going to sort them out. Totally fine. I agree. I actually like that. That's a very true thing. That's very, very true. It's a very good sorting method. They'll either come to you or they won't. Yep. Um, but for the rest of us that aren't uh, dominatrix, <laughs> dominatrixes, I'm not sure what the plural is on that. I, uh, the domes. Oh, Alexis is sitting next to me. She's like, domes. Okay. For the rest of us that aren't domes, um, <laughs> we don't have that sorting method. And it's exactly what you said. You know, I don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't want to upset anyone. You're, you're number 121. You met him just for like a little brief a little brief meeting. At what point did you realize he was the one? Well, I started falling for him on the second date, and he was the newly divorced guy, so it was bad news. I thought, oh, God, terrible timing. And I even told him, I said, it's somewhere around the second, third, fourth date. I said, no, it's too bad that this is such bad timing for us because you're amazing. To which he said, 
oh, you don't get to worry about the timing. It's my it's mine to worry about. I got this. So that was kind of hot. Okay. Well, that is really hot. <laughs> Men, listen yeah. up for God's sake. Take that. a note. <laughs> yeah, Paul's like, I'm gonna... come on, wow. take notes. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I started falling for him right away, and he was right behind me for sure. See, that's wonderful. And I think a guy should read 121 First Dates just because, one, it'll help you with women because it, it's the same on both ends. I've watched my brother date, and there have been some crazy chicks that I'm looking at him going, she's going to cut your head off. <laughs> well, it, it is good for men if they're interested in knowing what a woman thinks. If they're buying it because they want their own dating guidebook, they may be disappointed. But a lot of men who have read it really love it, and they like the stories. They like what I'm teaching women, because I do this really practical application sister-girlfriend guide of not only here's how I blew it, so learn so you don't have to, but here's where you can be graceful, and here's where you can not waste your time, and here's where you can put in some time. You know, so I show women and men where we, by nature, spend too much time and heart and effort where it just doesn't pay off. So it is a guidebook, but then at the same time we got the, the we funny, got the funny stories, stories in there. It's it's well, it's a phenomenal book, and it's a very very well written book. Um, it's it's easier to follow, and I can say if anyone reads it, they will learn something from it. It's one of the best books I've read in years. Why Aww, why did you. you feel like turning this into a book? I, I'm I telling you, if they read the opening even before chapter one, and they're not hooked. They should just put it down. <laughs> They'll be hooked. They'll be hooked. I think I started at story 98. You sent me to 98. I did. It was 91. I beg your pardon. No, 98. It was 98, 98. yeah. 98. Alexis is sitting next to me. My X-rated one. Yes. And that that one got me. Then I went right back to the beginning and read the book. (laughs) Nice. Because I'm, like, I'm who sitting is there, this I'm like, crazy I, lady I've dancing 15 feet f- in the air on a pole? Hmm. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a, there's a lady dancing on a pole. Um, one of the things you talked about, and I don't think it's commonly talked about, is being on this dating site with 20-something, you know, bimbos and stick figures. Yeah. And being a, a curvy woman yourself. Yep. Yeah, I'm not it's, young, and I'm not skinny, and I'm definitely curvy and yet I still got to date a lot and I did something that a lot of women just get stuck with which is I decided that there were men out there that for them I was their flavor and I didn't worry about who I was not getting I knew that I wasn't going to attract a lot of men because I don't have the classic body type and I'm okay with that I'm completely down with that because it's where I live I live in here so Hang on, I have to point out, you just wrote a book called 121 First Dates. I think you got dates. It doesn't sound like there were many men left. (laughs) Yes, I got a lot of dates. They all knew what they were getting into for the most part in terms of body and all the rest. Sometimes they didn't know exactly what they were getting into with me because I am a handful, but short of that, they, they knew, yeah. What was it like for you stepping into this, into the dating world that way? Well, here's the thing. I didn't... Obviously, I didn't start 121. I didn't start number one when I was 15 or 16. I, this whole process, Summer, this whole process started when I was three. When I was when three, you were three. When I was three. 
when I was three, men were very disappointing to me. They broke my heart. And it didn't get much better as I got older. (laughs) So by the time I was 22, I had it all figured out. I moved to San Francisco. All my men friends were gay. I met the most amazing man at the age of 22 who was really laid back. Your assistant, Alexis, would love him. Super laid back. I could control and dominate and just run the show with this guy. (laughs) And so I married him because he was safe. I loved him. He was awesome. And he was also really safe. And it was great for about a dozen years, but by 35, I was exhausted. I was doing everything. And I knew if we were in a dark alley somewhere, if something bad went down, it would be me protecting him. And That's not good. He's, right? He's still a really good friend of mine today. He's like my brother, which is an appropriate position for him to be in. But at the age of 35, when I walked away from that marriage, I walked because I knew I'd never get my heart's desire. And I needed to heal something. I needed to heal my relationship with masculinity and men. So I could pick somebody next time from a place of love and empowerment instead of fear. So what I'm encouraging people to do is really get that sorted for themselves so they can pick from empowerment and love instead of fear. We're just, some women are settling for what's safe instead of... I see lots of women settling. Yeah. And that's why it took me so long. I just wasn't willing but that made all the difference in the world. You've gone yep. into a marriage knowing exactly what you want. Yep. What was the and we're not marrying. Is? We're like Goldie Hawn and, and Kurt. We're not doing that thing. Ten months and we had a commitment ceremony. We'll call I it that. I think that's lovely. I think that's absolutely <laughs> lovely. Well, I'm going to ask you, at what point did you realize you were spending your life with this fella? You Probably said, by, I was hopeful by date two, which was really soon. I knew that I knew that I was probably kidding myself when I was really falling into the bubble. Uh, But probably somewhere around two months in, I I knew that, yeah, this was, this was on. We were, we were doing this thing. And I think that's wonderful. I, I told my assistant, she dated for a little bit a while ago, a very, very feminine man and she fell into the bubble. Then we got into a 45-minute argument about whether or not the bubble exists. Alexis, oh. Wendy is backing me up. The bubble exists. <gasps> the bubble exists. The oh bubble exists. Yeah, bubble. Um, I have not fallen in. Now, as a, an experienced dater here, I have only fallen into the bubble. I can count the number on one hand, the number of times I've fallen into the bubble. And just between you and me, Summer... I've been with a lot of men. So there have been plenty of opportunities (laughs) to slip into the bubble with other people. But no, no, maybe like four times, but it exists and you're an idiot when you're in the bubble. You are an idiot when you're in the bubble. I'll agree with that. What's that? Yeah, I said I'll agree with that. You have zero judgment when you're in the bubble. I don't know if I've ever fallen into the bubble. If I do, kill me. (laughs) Well, you just can't trust it. You just can't trust anything when you're in the bubble. It's true. Yeah, it's well. I, I have to agree with you. I saw the dude Lex was dating when she was in the bubble. He wasn't worth being in the bubble with. <laughs> I mean, he, he was kind of slow, and you'd think he could blow bubbles, but that was all there was to it. Yeah. Um, where can people find your book? Everywhere: Barnes and Noble, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. 
And I'm going to ask you on air in front of a whole bunch of people, is it something you'd be interested in making into a film? God, yes. Then, then you and I are going to have a conversation about that because I think this would make an amazing motion picture. Um, I, do I think you should play me, don't you? I think, I, you I, I think that if I tried acting... Um, I would I would probably not do very well. The only experience I ever had with it was really bad horror films. So I may <laughs> stick to I may uh, stick to funding the film and get somebody far more talented <laughs> than I am. Oh. Uh, I'm I actually, not about playing number seventy eight though. Yeah, uh, Paul wants to play <laughs> number seventy eight. There you go. So we've got you know, number seventy eight. You know, I'm pre- I, I can be the stand in for the poll. It'll be great. <laughs> You'll be Fair the stand. I love it. I love it. The uh, now. With all of this, you've settled into a relationship. You've gone through 121 dates. Uh, what was the point, your lowest point, where you're like, fuck this, I'm done? Oh, God. Somewhere around 78, I hit a wall. And I was talking to my friend. I had a dating buddy. I had three of them, actually. Dating buddies are great. You should have one if you're single. Um, where I would call up and report and, you know, just get clear and have blow anything out that was not good or talk about the highlights if it was good. So I called him up and I said, oh, 78 was horrible. He's a newly divorced guy, first date, and I, I'm a pro at this, and he was terrible. And my friend said, love, wasn't him. It's you. You've been like this the last three, four dates. You need to stop dating for a while because you're burnt out crispy. No man is ever going to meet you. They're going to meet some weird, contorted, tired version. (laughs) It's that that angry female stereotype that's just like a fucking sick of men. Yeah, and it and so I did. I took the break, and, and he gave me a really good piece of advice. It was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, which was I needed to stop dating for just a minute, and I needed to do something that had a beginning, a middle, and an end, like a, like a passion, not a to-do list item, like sew a skirt or bake cookies or something, because dating isn't linear, and we're used to be able to producing results in our life and having outcomes that are lovely, and you just can't do that in dating. It doesn't work that way. So to shift gears for a moment and actually produce something that turns out, it kind of clears you back out to be able to go, all right, I can do this again. Let, let's take another deep breath, and we're going. And I think I was off for a couple of weeks, but after that, I... I kind of wasn't the same. I had to take breaks way more frequently. I had to um, keep reminding myself not to say negative things like, maybe I'm not supposed to meet my man. Maybe I'm here to teach people how to keep going. Maybe I'm just a teacher. Maybe everyone else gets theirs. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> vibes. You put the law of attraction. Wrong vibe out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it got much harder around 78. Well, it sounds like you powered through to the right guy, though. Yeah, I did. Now, I have to say, you know, as as a feminist, I always tell people, finding the right guy isn't what life's about. It's about making yourself happy. But the right mm-hmm. guy can absolutely surely add on to your mm-hmm. happiness. Um, mm-hmm. In your case, it wasn't just about finding the guy. It was finding where you wanted to be and getting to where you wanted to be in life with a partner. And I found that very interesting in your book. Yeah, is absolutely. I found, it, I found it a very feminist dating guide. I loved it. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, and there was something that I was looking for all along, but now that I've been with him for four years, what I can see on the flip side of this is the most important quality that I needed that he has, thank God, was I needed a man to be able to empower me, to be able to put both of his hands on my back and energetically shove me forward into the world and say, go, take the filter off, be you, be as big as you can, go, 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 go. (laughs) And And not a lot of guys could handle that, especially with some of the things I have to say. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have about 30 seconds left in the show. I'd love to have you on again because we didn't get to any of the questions. We have a whole bunch of write-in questions. I'd love to have you on again. Guys, do yourself a favor. Get a copy of 121 First Dates. It's a phenomenal book. I'm going to try and talk Wendy into letting me make a movie out of it, and I'll keep you guys updated. Wendy, uh, thank you so much, Wendy Newman, for being on here and for your beautiful book, 121 First Dates. Guys, go get a copy of it. I'm Summer Helene. We're on with Paul Michael Bolin. I promise we'll have her on again and get to the questions. This was Behind the Scenes. We'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the Scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.